this week, I have been really, really, really excited about what I wanted to share with you this morning. I actually been reading a book by Robert Morris. It's called From Dream to Destiny and uh, talks about Joseph. And last week I shared on Joseph, but this week I'm going to share again on Joseph and, and use a little bit from uh, his uh, material as well. It's so powerful uh, about a, a pit. But I, I want to just right now, I'm titling this Getting Out of the Pit. Come on, amen. How many right now, you may need to get out of a pit that you might be in. Come on, somebody. Hey, I'm in a pit. It's time that I get out of this pit. And when I'm talking about a pit, I'm talking about trials. I'm talking about stuff that you go through. You know, if we're transparent this morning and we're honest, that all of us is either, you know, in a pit right now or we're, we've just come from a pit and, and hopefully, preferably, you're not going into a pit. But the bottom line is, is we've all experienced, we have these pit moments, don't we? And so uh, last week I was sharing about Joseph because if there's anyone that's an expert on how to get in a pit and how to expert on how to get out of the pit, it's Joseph. And so if you're in a pit, we're going to look at him this morning and see how we can get out of this thing. But last week I shared a message on, on how Joseph discovered and found his purpose. And all of us, we have a purpose God has created you for a purpose, and he found his purpose later on. About He was in the late 40s when he finally, truly found his purpose that God had called him to be and do. And his purpose was, and we learned what was it, his only purpose in life was to set his family free or, or, or save his family and save an entire nation, wasn't it? That was his entire purpose. But here's one thing that, that I want us to know as well. But in order for him to discover his purpose, and this is what's leading me to this message this morning, and by the way, if Jason, when he gets here the next service, he shared on this information actually yesterday, and so it's going to really tie in if you was here at our men's breakfast. By the way, it was awesome. Who was here at our men's breakfast? A powerful time. I mean, it's filling up. You need to get out here if you've not been. But anyway, Jason shared a little bit on, on Joseph as well and this pit. But there's one thing that Joseph learned that we all have to learn. And, and there's going to be one thing that's going to keep you from stepping into your purpose that God has for you. And you know what it is? Character. Your character. Character is what's going to probably get you into the pit. And character is what's going to bring you back out of that pit. And so it's important that we understand some things about character this morning. Now, let me put this up here. Your character is developed by going through trials or pits. See, a pit could be a bad thing or a pit could be a good thing. But according to the word of God, all pits should be good. <laughs> let me show it to you. In Romans 5 verses 3 and 4, it tells us this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. It should be a time of rejoicing. I know it's kind of hard. It's kind of, uh, it's an oxymoron there. But knowing that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces what? Character. And character produces hope. So really, if you're, if you're in a pit, it's according to how you're looking at that circumstance right now of life. So, so in order for us to be able to step into our purpose that God has for us, we need to understand some things about how we can develop and how we can build our character, and we need to understand how, how we can handle or go through these pit moments like Joseph did, okay? 
And so again, if you're in a pit right now and you're in a battle and, you, and you're there, you're stuck and you don't know what to do, hopefully this morning we're going we're to talk about how that we can get out. So let's take a look at Joseph and let's look at his life and we're going to set it up here. And this is when Joseph was being thrown into the pit and I'm going to show you some things and it's, it's going to be real good this morning. So stay with me. In Genesis 37, verses 13 through 24. And Israel, by the way, Israel's Jacob. This is Joseph's father. His name's Jacob, but they call him Israel. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now, stop there for a moment. Most theologians, Bible scholars, and, and myself, we, we, you know that if you study this at all, you know that, that Jacob was actually sending Joseph out to his brothers. Now, his brothers didn't need him. His brothers were skilled shepherds. They were good at what they did. They were twice his age. They didn't need their little snotty-nosed little brother coming figuring out what they're doing. What we believe here is, is that Jacob was sending Joseph out there to mend a relationship with them. Because, because Joseph, if you know Joseph, he, God, God gave him a gift, and that gift was he was a dreamer. He had this dream that, that, that his family was going to worship him or were going to have to bow down to him, and they were going to serve him. And, 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 and when you're young like that, about 17 years old, and you get that much authority all of a sudden given to you, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And so he kept telling his brothers that you're going to serve me one day. You know, you're going to have, you got, I'm going to, you're going to have to come to me for help. And, and what, what's going to happen with older brothers? They're not going to like it. So they didn't like it. So now let's see how this thing goes down here. Let's go on to verse 15 now. Now, a certain man found him there and he was just wandering out in the field. Okay. Jo Joseph, he was daydreaming here and, and he should have went to the man asking where his brother's at, but the man actually went to him and the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brother's. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, he cons they conspired against him to kill him. That's how much they hated him. That's how much Joseph irritated them. They wanted to kill him. And then it goes on and says, Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. My, our brother, the one who has all these dreams, thinks he's going to rule over us. He's coming now. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams." But Reuben, and we're going to come back to Reuben. By the way, Reuben is the oldest. And it's very important that you catch some of this. And we're going to come back to this, and I'm going to explain how it goes here. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit. 
which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might uh, deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. That's important. We're going to really come back to that in just a second. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Now, here's the thing. Again, every single one of us has, has probably encountered a pit of some kind in our life. And you're, some of you are probably in that pit right now. Now, now, here's what I want you to understand. But here's the sad part about people who have gotten into pits. Many people don't know how to get out of the pit. I know people today, when I was in high school, I've watched their lives and they were in a pit when I was in high school with them. And still today, I know them today, they're still in that same pit because they don't know how to get out of the pit. So this morning, what I want to try to do is motivate all of us on how to get out of that pit. Now, when I'm thinking about that, I thought about this story that I read sometime. It's really good. It's a story about this man who was walking home from work at midnight, and, uh, and the shortcut was cutting across the cemetery. And so it was a midnight, so the guy said, I'm going to take a shortcut here, get home quicker. So he cuts across the cemetery, and while he's walking across, lo and behold, that very day, earlier in the day, the, 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 the grave diggers had dug a grave and didn't cover it up. And so this guy's walking along, and he falls into this grave at midnight, He is panicking. He's clawing and screaming, trying to climb out of this grave and couldn't do it. He's screaming for like 10 minutes. And finally, he realized that no one's going to come and get him. No one's hurt him. And so he thought to himself, he said, well, I'm just going to have to sit down here and find the corner, just hang out here all night until someone comes and gets me in the morning. So about an hour later, a drunk was walking through the same cemetery. And lo and behold, he gets to the same grave and he falls in it. Now, this drunk guy, he is like panicking too. He's clawing and screaming, trying to dig his way out of this grave. And and he finally wears down and he just stops. And so the man who's already in the grave stands up, reaches over and touches him on the shoulder and looks at him and says, dude, you're not getting out of this grave. But he did. (laughs) He did. I'm going to tell you something. When you're motivated, you could do a lot of things that you normally couldn't do. And so my point this morning is, I want to motivate you to get out of that pit. I want to motivate you, and you may be there, so let's get motivated. So let's take a look at how we can get out of this pit. So there's three things here we can learn about this pit, okay? And I want you to write these down. By the way, you can follow us on, uh, go to Version and get there, and all these notes will be right there, okay? And uh, by the way, whenever, uh, who was preaching uh, uh, the other day? I was on there. I'm like taking all these notes. That's cool. I've never been able to do it. I've never been on that side of it before, but I really enjoyed that. And so go there and take some notes. But anyway, so there's three things about the pit if we're going to, we need to understand, okay, about this pit. So the first thing that I want you to write down is this, is what causes the pit? What really causes the pit? You know, a pit in our life could be caused because of us. Or a pit could be caused because of a, a circumstance. It could be our fault. It may not be our fault. But, but most generally, typically most people, when they get themselves into a pit, the first thing they do is start blaming somebody else. Well, I'm in this pit because my mom or my dad did this to me or my brothers did this to me. And, and I wouldn't be in this situation if, if they hadn't did this to me. 
And, and you know, and I probably wondered if Joseph didn't say the same things. If Joseph was like in that pit going, I can't believe they threw me in this pit. I'm really not that bad. I'm really not what they say that I am. I don't really, you know, all it was, I just had a dream and I just told them they were going to serve me one day. What's so bad about that, you know? He wasn't going to accept any responsibility whatsoever. And I love reading from an excerpt from Barbara Tushman. She said it clearer than I've ever heard anybody say it. Years ago, I read this, and she said the number one need in America is the need for people to accept responsibility. Oh, my goodness. Are we living in a time where no one wants to accept responsibility? No one. It's just like, come on. And, and, and so we play this blame game. We blame everybody. We blame this one or that one. For heaven's sakes, guys, you know, maybe, maybe somebody did do something to you. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your, maybe it was your friends. Maybe somebody, coworker, did something to you. But for heaven's sakes, folks, man, you're like 45 and 50 years old. Come on, get over it. Amen. It's time to get over it. Yeah, you know stuff's happened in my life. I can sit around and blame everybody about everything, but here's my point, and I want us to get this this morning. Put this truth up here. Go ahead and put this up here. You can't control the circumstance that happens to you many times. It's just going to happen, but here's what you can do, but you can control how you respond to it. Amen. You see, if Joseph would have just did it differently, if Joseph would have just took responsibility and kept his mouth shut, the outcome would have been a whole lot different. You know, sometimes God gives you a gift, and, and it's just for you. You just need to keep your mouth shut. Amen? Joseph couldn't keep his mouth shut. And sometimes people, it's given a gift too big for them. And when it gets too big for them, then they don't know what to do with it, and he didn't know what to do with it, so he went and told his brother, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be above you one day. You don't tell that to your brothers. They're going to kill you, man. And trust me, they did. They tried to kill him. And so let me show you something here. <clears throat> In Genesis chapter 37, verses 18, the outcome could have been different, but it wasn't because Joseph did not know what to do with this incredible gift God gave him, and it got him in the pit. It was his character. His character is what put him here. Watch Genesis 37, verses 18. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, he was way out there. They conspired against him to kill him. How'd they know it was Joseph? Is that dumb coat, wasn't it? It was that coat he was wearing. And what, that, what did that coat represent? That coat represented that he was his, favor, that he was his father's favorite, wasn't it? That's what that coat represented, that, 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 that he, was the, uh, he was the baby and, and he was his father's favorite. And he wore that coat so proud and it made him feel so good. And his father, and it was a gift from his father. Now, here's what I want us to understand this morning our Father gives us gifts too. Think about it. But what do you do with that gift? Do you brag about it? Do you feel a need? Oh, look what I can do. Hey, you ever done that? You ever get around somebody and all they can do is just sit around and, and brag about how good they are, about how awesome they are? I, I knew a pastor one time. That's all he'd do. He'd brag about everything. It's like every message he preached, he'd brag about it and have to tell the whole world about it. I'm like, why do you have to do that? 
Why can't you just let God be God? God's the one who receives the glory, not you. You see, his gift became bigger than him at that moment. He had to brag about it. And what happened here with Joseph, Joseph was prideful over his coat or over this gift that his father gave him. And now here's what I want you to understand. He lost it. He lost it because he didn't know what to do with this gift. And what was happening was his identity was in that gift and not his father. Now, you get what I'm saying? So, so sometimes when we get our gift, is your gift in the gift or is it in the giver? See, if the gift becomes bigger than the giver, then, then you, pride's going to set in. The gift can never be bigger than the giver. The giver must always be the number one. And our Father gives us gifts. And it's not for us to brag about them. It's just for us to use for the body of Christ so the body of Christ can be edified so he can receive the glory, so he can receive all that honor for it. Let me show you something. And I love this about God because God always has a wonderful way of just messing with someone walking in pride, doesn't he? He knows how to deal with them. Let me show you here. Let's go to the scripture here. In Luke 14, verses 11, it says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. <laughs> this is what happened to Joseph. But whoever humbles himself, uh, okay, and who, and who humbles himself will be exalted. So whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Catch that. And so what happened to Joseph? Joseph, the gift was bigger than him. And we all have to come to a place in our life where, 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 where we can just be content with or without the gift. We got to be content with or without the coat. Your identity is not in the gift. Our identity must be in Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the center of all. Knowing who we are in Christ is the most important thing. Now, I want to share, I, I'm going to just say this, okay? I love Pastor David Cheney. I'm going to brag on him. You are not going to find a more humble guy than Pastor David Cheney. Now, here's the thing with Pastor David. I've known him for years. We go out to lunch. We'll go out with people and, and, and maybe go eat lunch with somebody. But here's one thing you will never know. If you did not know him, you would never know that he knows how to play the keyboards like none other. You would never know that he could sing. You would not even know that he was a music pastor. You would never know that he plays a saxophone like none other. Amen. You would not know that. But there's one thing you would know. He brags about God and his love for God is amazing. Amen. He wants to talk about God all the time. But he doesn't talk about his gift. He, he understands that that's an honor. God has gifted him. But the most important conversation with him is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. I love it, man. If you're watching David, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> and I'm proud of him. And if you, if you met him, he won't get in a conversation about how awesome he is playing the keyboard. Or how, I, I, I met people, I've met pastors and people come by, hey, you know, I, I, you know I, I could prophesy. I could prophesy. Oh, good for you. I could speak in tongues too. Oh, good for you. You ever met people like that? I can too. <laughs> but... But you understand, why is it people have to brag? Why, why can't they just know who they are in Christ? You see, our identity is in the gift and not the giver. And it's so easy to do. And that's, that's a character flaw. And Joseph had to learn this. But until he learned that, 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 that the giver was more important than the gift, he was going to remain in that pit. So 
But not only that, but some people say, well, Pastor Gray, what happens if I lose my gift? If Joseph lost his, well, you can get it back. He lost it. By the way, God didn't take it away. God's not going to take his gift back, but, but we can lose it if we're, not, if we're not obedient with it. And he lost his gift, but he did get it back. When he finally got his attitude right in that pit, after he gets out of the pit, you'll notice that he begins to soar from there because his gift then becomes a, a gift from God, and he put God first in everything that he did, and God elevated him to becoming the, the second most powerful and wealthy man on the face of the planet Earth, right there. He had all the coats he could ever want. Amen. You go by what's called this wardrobe of it. And not only did God repair and give his gift back, but he also put this up here. Joseph, Joseph's relationship was, was restored with his father and his brothers too, wasn't it? He brought that back in line, but he had a character flaw. And so he had to work on the character. So, so what's the cause of the pit? Well, the cause of the pit is what? It's pride. Is the gift can't become bigger than the giver. The giver must be above everything. Amen. You get that this morning. Is that okay? So here we go. So that's number one. Number one, what causes the pit? Pride. Pride. You've got to break that down. And, and by the way, if you do not deal with that character flaw right there, you're gonna, it's going to be a long ride in that pit. God will keep you there and say, nope, you're not done yet. Redo. You're not, nope, redo. And when you finally get sick and tired of the pit, You'll do something about it. When you finally humble yourself, he could then begin to exalt you. Amen. So number two, here we go. The second thing about the pit is the pit will lie to you. First thing that happens when you get in a pit, and the first thing the enemy will do, he will be there to just lie to you. Say, aha, you're no good. You are a failure. You're a loser. You're no good as a husband. You're no good as a wife. You're a terrible father. You're a terrible, okay? Now listen, two things is gonna happen when you fall into a pit. The first thing, hopefully, the right thing should be conviction. Conviction is to make you identify what you're doing is wrong and you need to get it fixed. That's conviction. That's a good thing. But here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will bring condemnation on you. Think about that. Anytime you get in a pit, how many of you ever felt condemned? You felt like you're not good enough. You're a failure. Please, please, please get what I'm about to say. If you ever feel that feeling, it did not come from God. God will never bring condemnation on you. you know, I am so frustrated with our world right now. Because people will say they know God, they serve God, but they don't. Why are they not lining up according to the word? Hello, you can see. And when people say this, they do not know the word. And I'm going I'm to prove it. And so one of the most powerful passages of Scripture, because I hear people say, well, God's bringing condemnation. God's, God hates me. God, No. No, you stop that right now. Let me show it to you. God can never do that. Let me give you this scripture in John 3, verse 17, the most powerful passage of scripture in the entire Bible next to what's before it. John 3, 16 is what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the most powerful scripture right here. Watch it. For God did not, somebody say did not, did not, did not, did not, get it in your spirit. God, for God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world. Can't do it goes against his character. 
goes against his attributes. He cannot do that. So if you feel that, let's keep reading, but that the world through him might be saved. If you start to feel condemnation on you, it comes from an enemy. It comes from Satan. He's the one doing that to you. God will never make you feel like a failure. Look, you're in the pit. The pit's not there to make you feel condemned. The pit is there to convict you of what you did is wrong and get it right. Understand, that's the difference. Conviction versus condemnation. Now, let me show it to you right here. Let me show you who the accuser is. Let me show you where the condemnation is coming from right here. Revelation 12, verses 10. The accuser, Satan, that's who that is. The accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night never stops. So I guarantee it, when we fall into this pit, you're going to feel condemnation. He's going to be right there in your face, in your crawl, telling you, you're a bad father. You're a bad person. You can never accomplish anything. If you feel that, if you ever feel any of that, that did not come from your father. It came straight from the pit of hell, came straight from our accuser. But he lies, and he tries to get you to believe that that's who you are. And that's what a pit will do. A pit will sit there and lie and lie and lie. And, and by the way, anytime Satan opens his mouth, it's a lie. Anytime he opens his nasty mouth, it is a lie. Because he does not know how to speak the truth. And, and here's another thing. I'll put this up here. You know Satan puts things in your mind that's not even real. That ever happened to you or does it just happen to me? He'll put things in your head that's not even true. It's, it's crazy. Let me show it to you right here. He did Jacob this way. Watch, in Genesis 37, verse 34, or 31 and 34. So they took Joseph's tunic, this is his brothers, killed a kid of, of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, now pay very close attention. What, what, what's said here? We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? This is his dad blasted ugly coat that his mom and dad made him. Coat of many colors, okay? They're taking it to his father. Do you know? And now watch what he says. Verse 33. And he, Jacob, recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. Jacob said, a wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Who told Jacob that his son was eaten by a wild animal? The enemy did. Put the dumb thought in his head, didn't he? That's what he does. And here's the sad part of this story is his brothers didn't tell him. And his brothers are sitting right there. Jacob's son's right there in the room with him. And they're letting their dad believe that their son, Joseph, was killed by a wild animal. For 22 years, Jacob is crying, is mourning the death of his son, Joseph, while his brothers, selfish, prideful brothers, are in other rooms listening to their father cry and mourning to death while they know the truth. They never went and told their father, hey, Je- we're just joking, Dad. Joseph's not dead. We put the blood on that. We, we were trying to. And, and, and you know one thing I also know about, jo- uh, about Satan? He'll even, he'll even produce false evidence that it's real. Amen. See the blood? 
See the blood? It's, it, this is real, Dad. See the blood? So he tries to produce evidence. Now, think about this. How many of you ever, uh, no, I know none of you ever think that people are talking about you. I know none of you ever done that. <laughs> How many of you have ever been to maybe a group of people? Could be at a wedding reception, could be at a party, whatever. There's a lot of people there, okay? And you enter the room. And so the enemy's lying to you, making you think that these people don't like you. There's a group of people sitting right there and they're talking and that they don't like you. So he's lying to you, number one, because they, they're not even thinking about you. They're, they're talking about their dogs and, and, and taking them to the vet. But you think they're talking about you, okay? And then someone in that group is talking, and then they, they look over and look, catch eye to eye you and smile and just, and then turn back and look. And then you're over here going, aha, there's the evidence. I know they're talking about me, right? Come on. Has that ever happened? I, I'm telling you, the enemy, he will try to produce evidence of a lie that's, that's, that's not even true. He, he's good at it. He's good at it. And you know another thing? And he'll even do marriages too, won't he, Denny? I, we, you hear it. You hear it. Well, I'm not supposed to be married to her. It's proof. She's nothing like me. Totally opposite from me. Well, duh. It's, she's supposed to be opposite from you. Look, you, you can't marry someone like you. If you married someone identically to you, you would, you would kill you. I know what I'm talking about. Because you don't like you. You wake up, look in the mirror. I know you don't like you because all these women are doing all these cosmetic surgeries to make, they don't like who they are. Lord, they'll be doing their husband that way. You need to go have, you need to have new nose. No, 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 no. You, no. But the enemy will do it. And then you'll go working out at the gym and your wife won't want to go with you. She don't want anything to do with it. She wants to be Susie Cookmaker or who, whatever. And you go to the gym working out. And there's this lady there, and she likes to work out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And you're like, oh, wow, we got things in common. I'm supposed to be with her. And, and, and people, I'm serious. There have been men and women both have come to me in, in an office and look at me say, say, uh, pastor, I, I, I'm supposed to get a divorce from my wife or my husband because uh, I met somebody else and they're just like me. I met him at the gym. They like to work out. My wife don't like to work out. So that's proof. That's the false evidence, folks. That's a lie. And you get that nonsense out of your head. You work at your marriage that you have because your marriage, I love what Jimmy Evans said, it has 100% success rate if you work at it. And I'm going to stand by that till the day I die. Amen. So what causes the pit? Pride. Putting the gift above the giver. Okay? And now remember, and when you're in the pride or in the pit, that pit will lie. And that liar is the enemy. He will try to falsely accuse you. He'll try to bring condemnation on you. Okay, now here's the third and final one, and I'm done. Pastor David, what's the purpose of this pit? The purpose of the pit is to bring conviction, not condemnation. To get you to see that you're wrong. To get you to see your flaw. Accept responsibility for the action. See, when, when, when Joseph was in the pit, he had to receive the responsibility of his actions, that, that what he was doing was wrong, okay? He was convicted, and I know that, because when he got out, his life was completely changed. What's the pit for? It's to get us to cry out to God, church. 
That's what it's for. It's to get you and me to cry out to our Savior. That's who he is, our Savior. He wants to save us from the pit. He wants to get us out of this pit. But here's the, he, he didn't get us to cry out and blame everybody else. Well, I am getting this dumb pit because so-and-so. That's the reason why I'm here. We have to accept responsibility. I love the Word of God. It's all about confession. It's all about repentance. It's all about change your mind. Amen. It's all about humbling yourself. Change your heart. The Bible says in, in 1 John 1, 9, that if we will confess our sins, confess, confess, confess with our mouth our sins, our, our, our Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why can't people just confess it? Nah, he did it. He's the one who did it, not me. It's her fault, not mine. That's pride. That's going to keep you in a pit a long time. You want to get out? And keep moving. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 1 Peter says. And in due time, he can exalt you. See, your exalting will, will come from being humble, not prideful. So what's the purpose of the pit? The purpose of the pit is to cry out to God. Let me show you another guy who ended up in a pit. You all know him, Jonah. You remember him? He was in a pit. In Jonah 2, verses 1 and 2, watch. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Now look, there you go, Lori, that's wrong grammar. I did not do that. That's in the Bible. It's supposed to be fish, not fishes. I'm just saying, I thought, anyway, I had fun with that. And he said, watch Jonah said, Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to the Lord, he says, because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, that's a pit, that's the pit, the belly of Sheol, the pit. I cried and you heard my voice. You heard my voice. He didn't complain. He accepted responsibility. Said, dude, I am supposed to be going to Nineveh. That's where I'm supposed to go. And God, okay, you got, I'm going to go. Get me out of this, God. I'm crying out to you. And you know what? He did it. His life was changed. But I wonder if Joseph was in that pit complaining, well, again, I, it's my brother's fault. It's, I don't know why they put me in here. You know, why did they do this? No, that was his attitude before he got in the pit because he was a snot-nosed little no-good-for-nothing rebellious, prideful kid that didn't know how to handle responsibility. You ever met somebody who gets promoted before they're supposed to be promoted? I had a manager one time. I promoted her to be an assistant manager, and, and she was the greatest employee I ever had in my life. And everybody loved her, but the moment that I promoted her, everybody hated her. I walked in one day, and the whole place was an uproar. It was back, it was, oh, this Salem Pizza right over here. Hired, I said, okay, we're going to promote you to be an assistant manager. That, 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 that position went to her head so much. She, the gift became bigger than the giver. I needed her to just do her job. And just keep leading like you were, okay? I'm going to put you some, I'm going to give you some more administrative responsibilities. I don't want you to change. No, man, son, she was in there. She's had him all cleaning the windows. But dude, I was on top of the roof, cleaning gutters. I'm like, what the? These are hourly employees. We can get contractors. What are you doing? They're out there, you know, they're, they're sealing the parking lot. I'm like, goodness gracious. 
And they're all in there going, we hate her. We hate her. She's killing us. I'm not kidding you. I had to fire her. She lost her job because of the position. She couldn't handle it. And listen to me very closely. When God gives you a gift, don't brag about it. Humble yourself. Say, thank you, God. You see, this morning, I'm your gift. And Denny, our prayers this morning is, is that, God, I want to be humble. I'm just your servant. And I'm standing here, God. And God, you could use this vessel however that you want to this morning, God, because God, I am yours. I belong to you, God, and it's no longer my ways, but God, it's your ways, God. And as God, as I yield to you, God, I know that you have a word that's going to come through this vessel into this body of Christ. But I can't just stand here and go, oh, wow, look at this. Wasn't that a great message today? Man, that was awesome. Didn't I preach good? No. No. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. No, Joseph cried out to the Lord in the pit, didn't he? He cried out to the Lord in the pit. See, before the pit, he was arrogant, but after the pit, he was humbled. And God soared him on into, his, on into his purpose and his destiny that God had for him, elevating him to becoming the second most powerful and wealthiest man on the face of this earth. Now, I'm going to show you something here, and I'm done. I love the Old Testament and the New Testament. I get so frustrated. People say, oh, it's outdated. No, you've got to read it all or you're not going to understand it. There are types and shadows in the Old Testament that, that goes along with the New Testament. Now, let's go back to Reuben, the oldest brother. You see, Reuben, in, as the oldest brother in this family, he represented Christ. He represented Christ. He's a type and a shadow of Christ. Now watch it. I'll show it to you. Now watch this. In Genesis 37 and 22, because Reuben's, he's the oldest son. By the way, who else was the oldest son? Jesus. Firstborn, he was a son, right? The oldest son. Now, think about this. Reuben's purpose in life was this right here. Watch it. His purpose in life in Genesis 37 verses 22. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him. Why? So Reuben can do this, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Oh, did you catch that? Reuben's whole purpose was to deliver Joseph out of the pit and to deliver him and bring him back to his father. What's Jesus' purpose for us? Jesus this morning wants to deliver you and me and all of us from your pit and bring you back to the Father. Can somebody say amen this morning? God wants to set you free from the pit. That's the whole purpose why Jesus came. Why? Because his own Father delivered him out of the pit. Let me show you this scripture. God himself delivered his own son out of Sheol. What? In Psalm 16, verses 10, for you will not leave my soul. Jesus here. For you will not leave my soul. Jesus, so in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. The whole purpose for God and Jesus was to deliver us out of our pit and to bring us back to our Father. 
<laughs> I don't know if that gets you excited or not, but I get excited about that. So if you're in a pit this morning, cry out to God. Cry out to God and watch what God will do. God will deliver you from your pit and bring you back to your father. So what causes the pit in the first place? Deal with that character. Deal with that pride. Do not put the gift above the giver. And secondly, the pit will lie to you. Be careful with that pit. When you're in that pit, it's going to lie to you. He's going to come at you with everything that you've got. But when you're in that pit, that pit is not to bring condemnation on you. That pit is to bring conviction on you. And lastly, lastly, what's the purpose of the pit? The purpose the purpose of the pit is for us to cry out to our Father, cry out to our God. Because why? Because He will deliver you from your pit and bring you back to your Father. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, God, for the power of your word this morning. God, there are some people that they are in that pit right now. I don't know what it is, but God, it seems to be big with them. But God, they keep beating themselves up over and over and over. And God, that is not you. God, that is the enemy. And God, this morning, I rebuke that as their pastor right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit trying to make them feel less. Because God, you created them to be great, God. God, there's greatness in them, God. God, you, God, you sent your son to deliver them from that pit this morning and to bring them back. To your Father, God, to you, God, in Jesus' name. And I pray that, God, that this morning, that there's going to be a transference, that, God, that as we were sharing in our prayer this morning, and, God, that transference is, God, they're gonna, that they're going to trade their, their pits. They're going to trade their burdens. They're going to trade their problems, God, for yours. Because, God, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And God, this morning, let us trade ours for yours, God. Because God, you tell us to do that. You say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God, I pray this morning that God, get us out of the pit and bring us back to the Father God. To the Father God that's safe where we can be safe again, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen.